The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com, all one word. You can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button as well. You can access old archives shows. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Scott. You're looking great on my laptop in your little square. Uh, I guess, you know, the kids are back to school. Not much new to talk about in regard to COVID. It's pretty much steady as she goes at this point, isn't it? No new, no big news here. Pretty much. Uh, unless that uh, the COVID injury you have, Scott, I noticed you're, uh, you got something on your right arm. Yeah, that's, that's because I'm saving too much money. <laughs> I'm carrying around my wallet because I'm saving too much money. That would do it. I'm sure a lot of people are wearing those these days. <laughs> yeah, no. I thought it was a repetitive strain no. disorder. There. It, it, it's interesting how you, 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 you talked a couple of weeks ago about having that extra cash. Uh, for some of us, it's now we're just finally breaking even. <laughs> <laughs> Thank oh, goodness COVID hit. I it, get caught up. Exactly, exactly. All right, you want to start off with disability insurance. This is something pretty serious here. I do, and it, it is something. And, and so, Scott, when I asked this question and uh i know we've already already prefaced this with the topic but um if you were to answer the question you know what do you consider to be your most valuable asset how would you answer that question wow my most valuable asset my wife Ooh, that's a great answer (laughs) my partner my family yeah, and I mean, and that's sort of, and there's a lot of emotional value to that as well. And when you think about but I, financial assets, a lot of times I, people will... I'll say the house? Towards the house. Right. That's right. They'll gravitate towards the home, or perhaps if you're a business owner, it might be the value of your business, um, or it might be investments. But for a lot of us, uh, we think of our home as the most valuable asset, and you know, when we think about disability insurance, it's something that um, it's usually really low down on the radar until the point where suddenly you need it. And that typically is a period where you've had an illness or an injury, and that has prevented you from working. And so when we think about disability insurance, we want to understand, and, and as an advisor, we want to understand, you know, what is the need, you know, and, and we want to talk about how does it work for people? We also want to think about what coverage or what types of coverage should I have? And, and then what, what about disability at different stages of life, in the beginning of your career, the middle of the career, or at the end of your career as well? And um, so when we think about our most valuable asset, well, for a lot of us, it's actually our ability to make a living. And so the simple, the simple calculation, if you were to... Take, put the figure in your head, think about how much money am I going to earn this year? And so everybody listening, you know, how much am I going to make? Maybe if you're retired already, this isn't going to apply to you. But if you're working, uh, how much did you make this year? Now think about the number of years left until you're going to stop working and multiply the two together. 
And so I just do, you know, a quick example for people in terms of understanding what your earning power is. If you're age 45 and you make 100000 a year, you've got 20 years left in your working life, you've got a $2 million asset, right? Your worth to the ability for you to make a living is worth about $2 million. And that doesn't include you know, all the hard work that you're putting in in terms of trying to earn bonuses, the hard work that you're doing in trying trying to advance your career into uh, a new position, maybe with higher pay. Uh, you know, so all of these things, your access to pension, your access to uh, benefits, all of these things which factor into that ability for you to work. And, um, and so when you think about the having a disability, the odds are staggeringly high and it's it's different for everybody but the statistics tell us that on average one in three one in three canadians working today will have a disability or an illness or injury that prevents them from working for a period of around 90 days uh before age 65 one in three and of those uh a lot of them are uh last at least three years so, and that's kind of a, one of the measurements in terms of disability insurance is how long does your disability last, that initial uh, disability period, because that sort of dictates how much longer you're going to need benefits. In other words, if you can get over something very quickly, like you're, you're, you're finished and you're done and you're in three months' time, you're healed and back to work, you're in pretty good shape. But if that extends beyond 90 days, the statistics tell us that you're probably looking at about a three-year period where you might not be able to earn a full income. And so if you were to guess, uh, Scott, what percentage of disability is caused by injury? Wow. Um, I would say half. 50%. Mm-hmm. 90% is caused by illness, only 10% by injury. Hmm. So in, in our experience today, as we're dealing with COVID and our changes to our workplace, changes to our lifestyle, and the additional stresses uh, associated with COVID, um, you know, it's, it's not surprising. But illness is the number one factor hmm. and our ability to recover from an illness. And so um, what a lot of times people have, through group or through their employer is what we call group long-term disability and group short-term disability. And I think that the problem is there's a false impression that people think they're completely covered. Oh, I've got that through work. And so as we talk about this a little bit more, I'll, I'll uncover that and maybe that's not the truth. Or the other option is people think, well, I'll use my savings. And that's often a problem, too, because it then affects your future retirement plans and also other uh, plans that we're relying on your cash flow in the short and, and long term as well. So disability is really about income protection. And, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons, like as I said, people don't think they need disability insurance. A, they think they have it covered. Or I've also heard the one, well, I have critical illness insurance already. And critical illness insurance is different from disability insurance in that the critical illness provides you with a tax-free lump sum, and it's a one-time payment. And then you would have to administer that in terms of your care. But if you couldn't work for, let's say, three years, could you stretch out a, a, a CI payment if you received forty grand or 25000 or 50000 
or 100000 how long could you make that last? Whereas disability insurance will cover you uh, all the way up to age 65, depending on the type of policy. Plus, you, plus critical illness <clears throat> only covers for illness. It wouldn't, call, it wouldn't cover the injuries. Exactly. exactly. Which, again, even though it's 10%, as you mentioned, Andy, it's uh, still 10%. Yeah, illness illness is 90%. Injuries are 10 So, yeah, this is part of it. As well, um, we see a lot of people taking disability coverage through uh, as a result of mental health issues. So they find that either through depression or et cetera, that they're not able to work. Uh, disability will cover them under that scenario. Critical illness would not cover them. Uh, I can take money out of my savings. And we can we can demonstrate that using our financial planning software. We can kind of crash your your financial life by showing that you could no longer work for a period of time, and then demonstrate to you what the impact of that would be on your savings and your future ability to to maintain and be confident in terms of your retirement. And the other question I, I get a lot too, or problem, is that it it seems expensive, and. And, and, and on, on the surface, compared to some other insurances, it might seem expensive. But if you put it in the context, if you had a premium where you were paying $250 per month, but over the course of a year, you're earning $100,000, you're only looking at about 3% of your income. You're committing 3% of your total income to coverage that then protects you right through to age 65. And so... Again, coming back to disability insurance and sort of the ins and outs, the first thing is what we call a, a triggering event. When you own disability insurance, what is the event that causes that policy to kick into place? It's typically an illness or a, an injury possibly too. There's also an, a waiting period, and this is the time frame in which you have to, uh, you are disabled, but you're not eligible for benefit yet. So that's typically 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. The fourth area is your um, third area. Sorry, is your occupational classification. So, depending on the type of coverage, uh, sorry, the type of work that you do, will dictate the type of disability policy you have and what your benefits would be, and then also your medical history. So, do you have anything in the past that would um, create a situation where they have uh, an exclusion on your policy as well? So basically, your income stops when you have an, an illness, uh, but your expenses don't. And in fact, your expenses continue to increase over time as well. And so there are three types of policies. There's cancelable. Uh, there's second type is guaranteed renewable. And the third type is non-cancelable non and guaranteed renewable. Cancelable, the first one, is typically um, like your group insurance. A lot of times people will get association insurance. So these are not guaranteed in terms of the price, and they can also be canceled as well. So then perfect world, you want to look at a non-cancelable and guaranteed renewable peer, uh, policy, and these will cover both white-collar workers and blue-collar workers as well. So when we think about how much coverage we want to, and the type of coverage, you want to think about what is your current coverage and understanding if there's a gap, because you can only insure yourself for so much. The, the, the insurance companies don't want you to have an incentive not to work by paying you too much if you're disabled, uh, and it, most people do want to get back to work. The second thing is the disability definition. Is it a total disability for coverage, or is it a partial disability, and you will get some coverage as well? And then what about the future? Do I have indexing for my benefits or uh, can I increase the coverage in the future as I need it? So we get into things like what are our replacement ratio 
and what types of income is insurable, and then what are some of the strategies around using disability insurance as well. So if we have some time, we'll talk about that when we come back after the break. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And don't forget their website at andyanddon.com. There you can find old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. We were talking about disability insurance. Yeah, and I just wanted to come back and talk a little bit about what we call our replacement ratio. And this is basically in the in the insurance world, the, the those that give you disability insurance, they want to make sure that you're covered and protected and that you can um, continue on from a financial perspective covering expenses. But they don't want to make it so much of an incentive in terms of the income that you're that you can receive that you don't want to go back to work. And uh, so as a result, they have what's called replacement ratio. So if you make around 50000 you can replace up to 70% of your income. So whatever you might have through work uh, would be deducted, and then you can go up to 70. But if you earn over, if you earn 200000 you can only replace 50% of your income. And, uh, and again, that's because of our progressive tax system that we have. Um, insurable income, like what do you have? You can earn salary. You can have wages from a, a, a business. You can have commissions. You can have bonuses. And if you're self-employed, you can also have disability insurance. And typically, there's a 20% enhancement of your income, recognizing that certain deductions are eligible, uh, available for those that are self-employed. There, the next area, which is occupational class, this is a definition, and there are basically five different types of occupational class. A B would be the, the from a, in the context of someone who's doing a lot of physical and manual labor, and then a 4A would be somebody who's a professional uh, who simply works in an office. And um, so there's greater risks associated with the type of uh, uh, occupation that you have. But uh, there are certainly you can be you can be covered at all different occupations uh, for sure. And then the final thing I just wanted to talk about was an example. You know, disability insurance becomes more expensive the older you get, like every insurance. And so the opportunity to start when you're young is uh, is fantastic. And a lot of the insurance companies are offering graduate programs. And the one I just was received information about was for graduating either. Um, physicians, dentists, or engineers. Uh, and the example they showed me was, so a 22-year-old graduating from engineering this year is eligible for a 25% discount off of a disability policy, their professional series, which is a $3,500 per month benefit, a 90-day waiting period, benefits till age 65, and a $1,000 future income option, and this would be for a male. And what basically came out of that is that a, a student in fourth year today or fifth year, depending on the program, uh, would only have to pay $533 a year for 3500 a month of coverage. So a little over like $45 a month. Uh, very reasonable. And it's something that now protects that student. They can have it for the rest of their life. 
and if they couldn't work, and young people have accidents and young people get sick too, if they couldn't work, now that young person has something in place. And as a parent or even a grandparent, if you wanted to give your graduate, graduating student a gift, why not consider a disability insurance policy because it's something that will protect them for life. Yes, and that's a, that's a tax-free benefit too because when you're, getting, you're paying with after-tax money, so that $3,500 a month benefit is tax-free. And you're right, you're right, Andy. It's, it's the biggest risk out there, probably the least understood. And just going through what you've just talked about, which is the Coles Notes version, there's so many things that go into a quote of a, a proper disability coverage, um, the needs you need, there's a needs analysis. Now, of course, if you have truckloads of money, you're financially independent, well, maybe you probably don't need the disability coverage. Uh, on the other hand, when, what we normally find, though, is people are not financially independent if there's a disability. And you l- take a look at their situations. Is also, let's say we had to dip into your savings for three years. How does that affect your chance to retire at 65? It's generally pretty dismal. It's not a good thing. So this is where going through a proper financial plan and, and going through that insurance quadrant makes a ton of sense. So um, great that you've gone over this, actually. And now um, I'd like to go through the four rules of investing. Now, you're seeing it right now. I, I'm sure, Andy, you might have gone to, I wouldn't call them parties anymore, cocktail parties, but maybe uh, some virtual parties or what have you, where people are discussing money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you might have those virtual uh, drink sessions going, which seem to be common these days. I know my daughter was on a, on a couple of those. She's a, a little bit younger, and it's like a Friday night. They used to go to, you know, go to Toronto or do something fun. Now they're hanging around a computer <laughs> with a, a new cocktail mix they got together. But, again, it's funny. Now, now she's 30. They're talking about the ups and downs of the market. And I went to a wedding, the only wedding I've actually gone to uh, since COVID. It was an outdoor wedding, 40 people. Cousin got married. And she's from England. And she came in, and she was talking about the markets. And, she, and it was so funny listening to her. She is 31. Same idea. Well, we were watching the market go down. We had some money, but we thought it might go down further, so we didn't buy. Now, is, there, is it too late to get in? Is it, it's totally gone up 20%, 30%, and now I'm thinking, well, it's going to go down again. Maybe we'll buy back. All these questions, of, bottom line is nobody has those answers. Everybody's trying to guess, is it the best time to buy? And it's very, there's just too many unknowns. You know, I always look at if Warren Buffett can't time the market, what do you think we should be able to do it? He's, a, he's amassed a, you know, a few billion dollars and a whole lot of followers on the basis of long-term investing. So the very first part in a long-term investment plan is evaluating your risk tolerance. Now, this is interesting. A lot of people say, okay, well, Don, you're, you mountain bike, you snowboard, you must have a high risk tolerance. Well, that has nothing to do with how you invest money. We've even, they've actually done studies on people that race cars, and there are some very low risk takers. They just know how to race a car really well. They might be going at 300 kilometers an hour, but it doesn't mean when it comes to investing money, they're, they're high risk. And so going through you know, all the different questions, that there's a lot of surveys out there. I was actually going through one through uh, a Missouri um, needs analysis and their risk ca- uh, capacity survey, and, you know, things such as age, how old are you? Well, it's kind of interesting. A lot of these old surveys and a lot of the bank ones, 
oh, if you're 65, you should be a low, you should be very conservative. And it's almost like it's a guarantee. You're, you're 65, so therefore you should be very conservative. It doesn't take into account that the person is going to live till 100. In fact, a, a good colleague of mine just passed away last week. He was 98. So you imagine if he invested conservatively at 65, that would have been 33 years of investing safe, making a very poor rate of return. So therefore, age is part of it, but I wouldn't say that ends all of it. Um, cash needs. How much do you need? Do you need to take an income from this money? Um, do you have any major outlays? Is there a, a big tax bill coming up because you sold a property and you need to come? You need money, say, April next year to pay the capital gains tax on that? Well, if that's the case, well, we don't want to be risky with that because it's only six months away and you'll be needing those funds. Um, the goals. What, you know, what are your goals? Are they, is it a retirement planning? Is it estate planning? Is it for the kids' education? Is it tax planning? Everybody's got different financial goals, and, and the idea is to invest to meet those goals and make sure that it makes sense and to be efficient with it. So when you think of risk, most people think, okay, and Scott, if I were to ask you right now, when you think of risk and investments, what comes to mind for you? Uh, the stock market. Yeah, and the ups and downs of the market. Yeah, ebbs and flows. Yeah, and how much uh, you potentially could lose. By investing. But then again, if you're doing it long and slow, the way you guys have already, you know, spoke of, of years, I mean, you don't really think about it that much. Yeah. And that's uh, spoken like a true client, Scott. <laughs> 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 but absolutely. That's, that's, the, that's the case of investing long term is taking the focus off the ups and downs of the market. Well, let's be honest. You know, you're talking about being in a social situation uh, and friends are asking you these sorts of questions. I'd rather be talking about other interesting things and let my financial planner worry about all of this stuff. I mean, that's that's what we pay you people for. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And this is the thing. She doesn't have a planner. Yeah. And, those are the, and, and now she is using her own emotion, which is tied to her hard-earned money that she saved and now she's trying to make investment decisions, and there's a lot of risk in her mind because she doesn't want to mess up. And that's not her. She's a super smart lady, don't get me wrong, but that's not her forte. And way too much pressure when there's so much other stuff going on in life, especially for young people who are starting a family and what have you. Yeah, there's so many things. So, you know, capital risk is, is the risk most people think about, how much the market could, how much they could lose. And, for example, somebody that bought say, back on February the 19th, and said, you know what, I'm putting my life savings in the market. Bad day. Because that was the peak of this year, and COVID hit right after that. Well, the market dropped about 30% till March 23rd. And had you put in $100,000, and it was 100% in equities, and no management at all, just say it was a, an index, it would have been down about 30% by, by March 23rd. So in just over a month, you lost 30% of your money. How do you like me so far, right? <laughs> but if you said, okay, I'm not going to touch this, it's long-term plan, and you fast forward now till the summertime, you're now down maybe 2 or 3%. And now it doesn't even seem like anything. And this is where you start, the measuring stick should not be based on what has it done lately. It should be, as you mentioned, Scott, how long are we having this money for? In fact, if you invested at the absolutely worst times, such as February 19th, fast forward 10 years, 
and you would have still got a very, very good rate of return. Um, not as high as if you invested at the optimal day, but certainly only maybe about a half percent off. So instead of getting, say, 7.5%, you would have only got 7%. So not a big difference. Now, in the short term, yes, it makes a difference. And this is why you have to match the goals with the investment. So you look at that. So capital risk is, is the one that goes through everybody's mind. And the other risk is tax risk. Well, if you invested in a certain type of investment, it may earn interest income or rental income, and it's very highly taxed versus, say, capital gains or dividends. And even dividends, does that make sense? Because then there's, it, it's, it's great, but you might lose part of your old age security on, that, on the gross-up of a dividend, which we've talked about in previous shows, but it's basically this fictitious gross-up that you didn't even receive that, and then you get the, cr- the credit afterwards. So tax risk, and again, this is where a financial planner goes through what are your tax risks with this investment plan. Interest rate risk. What if interest rates rise or what if they go down? Well, right now we're in a extremely low interest rate environment. In fact, as it was just announced not long ago, I think it was just last week, they don't expect the interest rates to go up for a year to year and a half. And who knows after that? So if you're going to sit there and right now, five-year mortgages are around 2%. Well, you can only imagine that five-year GICs are only paying about 1.2%. You're not going to make a lot of money if you invest in the fixed income area. So you need to try to extend that in, into better paying investments. Because if you're only making 1% on your money and you had you know, $100,000, that's only, that's only a, you know, 10000 a year. Oh, sorry, it's 1000 a year. That, you, you can't live on 1000 a year. So it's very difficult. And of course, if you had a million dollars, you'd only make 10000 a year. So interest rate risk is, is part of it. Inflation risk is also part of the whole scheme because you want to make an investment return that is above inflation. And certainly things that pay interest have never done that. Real estate has done that, so you, you could get a rental income. But stocks have averaged about 6% above inflation, albeit with the ups and downs of capital risk. So it's just managing those risks. And finally, as mentioned earlier, with the 98-year-old that just passed away, that longevity risk is one of the largest risks these days. As much as people are saying, well, my parents died at 70 or 65 or what have you, we're finding people are, that has no bearing or very little bearing on how long people are living. In our family, my, on, my, on my wife's side, they're the longest living of that <laughs> by at least 10 years now. And, you know, they, they weren't probably the healthiest person. They smoked at one time and, you know, went through the 70s, which wasn't the healthiest uh, decade in the world. But because of uh, health care, people are living a lot longer. So managing all five of those risks is extremely important, yet unfortunately people focus on capital risk, and that's short-sighted. And so what, what people have done in the past six months during this COVID is I had a couple people actually basically brag that they sold back in February. And they're not clients of mine, but they knew what business I'm in. And I said, oh, that was good. So when did you buy back in? And they haven't, okay? <laughs> they haven't bought back in. So they paid a – so here they worry about capital risk. They didn't buy back in. And so now the market's recovered. And now they have a big capital gain because they sold. It was non-registered. Yeah, money. yeah. So they, they created their own tax risk, which is guaranteed tax bill come April. 
So now they have to keep money set aside for a big tax bill. And I just talked to one who just invested back two weeks ago. They, the stress of having it out of the market was just as bad as having the stress in the market because they felt they're missing out. And this, again, that's not an investment plan or a financial plan for that matter. So having a proper risk analysis of going through all those different segments to determine where should we invest your money in terms of uh, risk is extremely important. And, and so that comes down to diversifying. And how do you diversify the money? And I'm going to uh, discuss this a little further right after the break. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, 905-529-7165. Leave a message. They'll get back to you. And don't forget about the website at andyanddon.com. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Check out the website at andyanddon.com or you can call them at 905-529-7165. Leave a message. They will get back to you. We're talking about four rules of investing. Yeah, and I just, Don, you reminded me of a story that um, it happened a number of years ago, almost four years ago to be exact, was that when uh, President Trump was elected back in 2016, and a client called me within a month, like just, you know, at the end of November, and said, uh, you know what, I do not trust this man, I want to remove all of my, I want to reduce all of my holdings that are in the U.S., in U.S. equities. And so we went back and forth, of course, in the conversation in the context of diversification and your overall plan. And um, nope, he was adamant. And uh, so we did that. And I will tell you that as of today, four years later, he has still not gone back into U.S. investments. And the sad part of all that is that he's missed probably a run-up of around 50% in the value of those U.S. investments over the last four years. So, you know, it's just one of these things you can't tell and... and um, and we just don't know. And, and, and in recent conversations, as people are considering the second wave of COVID, they're thinking, should I take all my money out and put it in cash? And then with the second wave coming, this is, this is something I should be doing. And we all have this sense that we need to be somehow proactive or that we, can, we know what's going to happen. And uh, I said, no, it doesn't fit your plan. we got to stick to what we have, and that is the best course of action. Yeah, absolutely, Andy. And it's interesting, anytime people mix emotion, and the emotion in that case was, I, I hate Trump, and I don't trust this man, and I'm taking money, money out. Well, that doesn't mean Coca-Cola shares are going to go down, or Apple shares are going to go down. Yeah, it doesn't mean your feelings of Trump disappear, but you're buying U.S. companies that are, are 60% of the world stock market. And I may not be a Trump fan either, but at the same time, I do believe the U.S. companies will do well over the long run. So... This is, again, a perfect example of um, mixing emotion to your money and, again, having that third party hopefully able to convince you to stick to the plan. And that adds a ton of value. Absolutely, I I can't tell you, and in fact, I want to do a whole segment on opportunity costs of not following a proper plan, which we might get to today. If not, we'll talk about next show. But, uh, you know, so right now we've talked about the four rules of investing. And the first one was just simply evaluating your risk tolerance. And so we've gone through that. The second is to, 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 to diversify. 
And diversification, it's kind of interesting. Somebody gave me a great um, analogy on what diversification means. And it really, in, in this person's mind, it says, okay, you'll never make a killing, but you'll never get killed. And to me, that made a lot of sense. You're never going to, say, hit that home run that you can talk at a, at a, a cocktail party, those days we used to have those things, and say, oh, yeah, I had this one stock, and it did this, and I made tons of money. And, of course, that same person never talks about any of their losses. But it, it is a great story. Diversification will never give you that. It will give you peace of mind that when the markets do have ups and downs, you won't partake in all the ups or all the downs and you ride a lot smoother curve than what the average person is. So you, you need to have a balance between equities and fixed income. And so equities, you're looking at, okay, well, it's simple. I just put it in the market. Well, okay, whereabouts geographically? How much in Canada? How much in U.S.? How much international? How much, say, emerging markets such as China or Latin America? Uh, growth and value. You know, growth stocks have been the whole thing this year. If you actually took out the five major growth stocks in the U.S., which have done amazing, such as Apple, Google, uh, Facebook, Microsoft, you, if you miss those five, the, 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 the U.S. This, uh, market has only done 1%. So those five have done so much of the market, about 30% of the market is based on those five companies. So it, it's, it's actually incredible. So you do have to have growth and value in your styles. You need small cap and large cap, small cap companies and uh, large cap companies. Now, large caps are your big ones, let's just the banks. And smaller caps may be a lot of the up-and-comers you don't know about, but they have a different heartbeat line. So mix them together, and it actually reduces your, your um, risk. And so then you take those, and then there's certain sectors. You have the healthcare sector, the consumer sector, technology, REITs, infrastructure. You make sure you've got all sectors covered. And so you look at all the sectors of equities and fixed income, and fixed income can, is not simply just bonds. It's, it is bonds, but it could be high-interest bonds, high-yield bonds, rather, uh, global bonds, real estate, mixing all those. And so that's a proper diversified portfolio. As you mentioned, think long-term is number three. Stay the course. Let the managers do their jobs and avoid the noise. And fourthly, Scott, you actually also mentioned this earlier, is dollar-cost averaging add monthly, and therefore you're not so emotionally attached. If it goes down, you're actually buying more shares. For those people accumulating, what a great way to reduce your risk, and it's dollar averaging. And so mixing your risk tolerance with proper diversification, thinking long-term, and dollar-cost averaging, those four rules of investing will take you a long way. Is it mostly those that are closer to retirement who are that concerned of uh, of what their number is, how much growth they have right now? Are people who are already started maybe in their 40s, are they that concerned about that final number? Or is it mostly those that are just closer to retirement? Well, I have 40-year-olds that are concerned, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and again, that's I think that's... I'm going to... I'm going to categorize this, but it tends to be male-dominated. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's that our, our our need to think we're doing something instead of just sitting uh, on the sidelines. And, and, and does it come, does the fact that they are, even when it's low, they're purchasing more units, do they not see the value of that? Or does that not relieve what they're not feeling from the high number at the other end? 
Yeah, I think they're, they're the original capital, the big the big chunk, the value of it, and they see it go down in value, or the fear that it's going to go down right. in value. That somehow there's a system or a pattern or the ability to uh, time the market and prevent that that loss on paper. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. We're talking about uh, the rules of investing, but also how your emotion plays a factor in this. And, and you mentioned this uh, off air, uh, especially during COVID-19. Those emotions are even heightened more, aren't they? Well, they, absolutely, Scott, because people are, have, first of all, um, and we, we, <laughs> we picked on the men a little bit here because that testosterone effect has an adverse relationship to the performance of a person's portfolio. They've actually done studies on this, and they took a married man, single man, married woman, single woman, and rank them over, over how their performance of their portfolios were because mutual fund companies have all the data of their gender and marital status. So they took a look at all this over 20 years, and the worst performers by far were single men because there's that feeling they have to act on information. They have to be doing something. And just sitting idly while a manager is making the calls on should we – um, you know, do this or, or what have you, and just the patience alone it doesn't seem to be in their DNA. So where married women, they, they were the best, they were the winners of this because they, they believed the advice, they were more patient, and they had a, a higher return. So it is, it is interesting. The other side of it is people are at home now, and so they're inundated with a lot of time on their hands, whereas before they may have spent more time on vacations or so forth. So they, they're sitting there looking at their money a lot more. <laughs> and with that more chance for error because it's okay to look at it. It's a totally different thing to act on it. And that's my biggest concern is people are making mistakes and the opportunity cost of a mistake is massive because let's say in that example of somebody sold and then bought back and they missed the whole upside and they sold. Well, the opportunity cost of that is like 30%. Now, how do you now go fast forward 20 years? What did that really cost you? So let's say it costs you thirty grand now. Well, twenty years later, if it doubled every say ten years, well, that thirty grand becomes sixty grand, comes one hundred and twenty grand, which is basically that difference of seven hundred a month in your pension. So it has a, a, a domino effect having mistakes in your portfolio. And um, you know, and I I was thinking about this uh, emotional response to COVID right now, and particularly the second wave. And the one context I would say is that for those, let's say, that are already retired uh, and you're relying on income from your investments, I think one thing to think about is considering how much free cash do I have available? In other words, do I have a year's worth of my uh, expenses on hand in, in a sort of cash position or is it two years? And everybody might have a different comfort level, but um, the one way to maybe insulate yourself from worrying about this, up, these ups and downs is knowing that you have uh, 
a, a healthy reserve. And that reserve means that you don't have to touch your investments when they go down because you have cash or something that is stable that you can rely on for that income. And uh, and I, you know, so I think at the end of the day, the biggest issue around, you know, your portfolio today then is do you need the capital or are you just relying on an income? If you need capital, in other words, you said, you know what, we have to replace our car and our budget is 50 grand. Where are we going to get it from? Well, then that's Don and our job uh, to figure out where to get that money, make sure it's in a liquid form so that when the moment comes and you need it, it's available and we're not worrying about market volatility. In the absence of needing the capital for some project or a renovation, etc., then uh, you need to stick with the plan and make sure you re- keep your asset allocation. It's the old story. Your portfolio is like a bar of soap. The more you touch it, the smaller <laughs> it gets. And it's, and it's interesting. We're in a different time where I'm actually seeing a, a few retired clients. They're saying, okay, we have this plan where we're spending so much time on vacations and the expenses on vacations and, say, dinners out. We're not doing that at this stage. So what they're doing, and they're actually dollar-cost averaging or so they're adding money to their investments every month because they have extra money that they, they didn't need, which was not part of the plan, but why not take advantage of this situation? Or they're not taking as much out of their investments per month to live on. And both of those things really help in a situation where there's volatility. So great opportunity for people in those situations. And again, uh, you know, you can try to get a silver lining out of COVID, and, and I think that, that's one of them because right now people's debt situations – um, are actually reducing. Uh, there was just a, an article last week on how Canada's debt per capita is actually reducing right now, and this is while people are generally, you know, high unemployment, but they're they're squirreling money away. They're not able to spend it. So why not pay down debt? And one last thing, if you are going to, if you do have debt, what a great idea right now to see if you can get the lowest debt debt rate you can, because I was just, you know, some of those line of credits people are using, you know. If they're not linked to your home, they're seven, eight percent interest rates. And yet, if you did link it to your home and get a home equity line of credit, uh, prime right now is two point four five. So if you're able to borrow at quarter percent above prime, that's two point seven. What a big difference! So if you owe twenty five thousand a year, that adds up a significant amount of money. It actually works out to a thousand and seventy five dollars a year in savings after tax. You know, and again, taking that money that you would normally spend in interest, apply, apply it down towards your debt or invest it. Either way, great opportunity to, you know, speak to your financial planner and make sure you're looking after all these faucets of a financial plan. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. Check out their website at andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows or ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Or you can call 905-529-7165 and they will get back to you. Thank you, gentlemen. Been fun. Have a great week. Thank you, Scott. Thanks very much, Scott. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.